Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. Today we're going to play a little bit more movie mashup, and then we're going to talk about the Russo Brothers' Captain America Civil War. And also after that, after the credits and after the spoiler Terry, uh, tune in for some Dark Tower talk, because Tim started reading the first book, mm-hmm. reading the series, and, and Nick likes talking about it. So yeah. there's some of that afterwards. But uh, we're at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook and buy and search for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Go to MidwestFilmNerds.com for all previous 177 plus bonus episodes with full show notes so you can skip over the spoiler Terry and things you don't want to hear. And uh, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can shop on Amazon and have part of your money come to us so we can make our show and network even better. And Midwest Game Nerds has a support store where you can buy Midwest Film Nerds and Game Nerds apparel or donate to the network. So go check that out. Um... This week for Frame Friday, Alistair sent it in. Uh, we had Matt from the Obsessive Viewer podcast answer that it was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but I also asked who in the cast has directed a movie that we've reviewed in the past. He responded with Francois Truffaut, director of Day for Night, and uh, Lynn Click actually responded on Facebook to the bonus question of what movie was it. She said Day for Night, so I gave her a shout-out too. So if you want to have uh, us give you a shout out, pay attention to our Facebook or Instagram on Friday and look for the frame Friday and answer the question that I have posted there. I've, I lied because I actually have some listener feedback as well. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you write into feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com, we might read your uh, your letter and it might sound something like this. This one's from Gordon. It has the subject fart. Uh, <laughs> okay, as you may that's right. From Good. last episode. Subject. Uh, hi guys, I hope this mail doesn't go to your spam folder because of the subject line, but I just had to do it. During your Daredevil review, <laughs> last week, Willie con- somebody, Alistair comment, or commended us on talking about the quote-unquote negative feedback that we had, and then Willie was like, yeah, it's not like people are just like sending in like, fart, because he was trying to not fart, swear, fart and all love. he could think of was fart, but uh, okay. so that that was where that came from. But uh, during your Daredevil review, one of you asked me to write back once my slow-watching friends had finished the show with their observations. It turns out it didn't differ to what I wrote earlier. They, too, thought the first half of the season was superior, and they, had too, they too, had a hard time investing themselves in the fights with faceless, interchangeable ninjas. So, interesting. Uh, he, said, he goes on to say, I was surprised when I saw the downloaded episode on my phone uh, this morning wasn't Civil War, because we don't live in Germany like you, Gordon, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it's been out there for a week, and oh my god, it was everything Batman vs. Superman wasn't. Everything Age of H- Age of Ultron failed to be. I wasn't a fan at all. And I saw it twice. It's probably my favorite Marvel movie to date. Maybe this will change once the official excitement wears off, but I doubt it. Looking forward to hearing what you guys think. Well, we'll tell you later in the episode. Yeah, yeah it's on the docket. 
Uh, <laughs> one thing I wanted to touch upon, I try not to watch any clips or TV spots as of late before going into going to the movies, and I kept my resolution even more so with this movie. I only saw everything that was released in the movie after seeing it, and I was baffled. They reveal so, so much. It's incredible. I was genuinely surprised several times and didn't know many of the action beats were coming, and I love not knowing what's next. But looking at all the clips now, it's hard to imagine that whoever watched them all knew the whole outline of the movie beat by beat. I thought that Marvel was more confident than this and hope they don't do that for future movies. Alex, you've started a revolution. Uh, it's not me. It's other people who are more popular than us. <laughs> but uh, wow, no. Way to put no. a dark spin on that. <laughs> I, I went back and watched the Civil War trailers and was like, holy shit, they show everything. It's that's weird. I really don't I, think so. I, yeah, like I, I stayed away. Like from most of the time, I will read everything. Like I'll yeah. spoil everything. But the third act of this movie, like I didn't know any of I'll it. Ta- yeah. I'll talk a little bit more about okay. it. I, I wouldn't say they spoiled everything, but it's all there. there uh, it's all there. There's this. There used to be this show on HDNet that's I, I can't remember what it's called now, like Access TV. But it used to be called Nothing But Trailers, and this guy Robert Wolanski hosted it, and he would go through and he'd show old movie trailers, and then he'd mix them in with new ones. And like it's so funny, the old ones, like nobody knows this, they spoil everything. <laughs> <laughs> like the original Ghostbusters trailer gives away all of the movie and all of the jokes. Wow. <laughs> it's like three and a half minutes long. Interesting. <laughs> I love old trailers from like the seventies where there's like so much narration. Yeah. yeah, but especially like, like all dirty from, Harry all type by the stuff. same guy. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> what was that dude's name? Mm. I, I can't know. remember. I remember there was a mini documentary about him on YouTube, yeah. but it was really cool. <laughs> but but yeah, and he, then he only died like what 10, 12 yeah, years ago. Pretty recent, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll talk more about that when we get into spoiler Terry. But then uh, Gordon lastly wrote, I also wanted to write about the state of the horror movies based on this article. It's on tasteofcinema.com, the 10 best horror movies of the 2010s so far. Uh, and he said, faster, less official means of instant communication, perhaps uh, direct message on Facebook, but this mail is getting long, so perhaps leave it for the future. So, Gordon, please write in, let us know. I had I told, I sent the article to Willie and Tim, the horror experts, and I think they both agreed that it's a pretty good list. Yeah. But uh, they're also crafting their own lists or lists yeah. that they will hopefully be able to get to in the future. So, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, the summer movie wager is going on. We have 14 entries so far. We need five to match our all-time record, and we need six to beat it. So do that. Uh, yeah, do I think it. five of 14 people are not in the United States. What's the deadline? The deadline is May 16th, which is a week from this past Monday. Today. Uh, uh, you have to get it in by 11.59 p.m. Eastern, but I probably won't hold to that too strictly if you get something to me before the next weekend. So, get it in by then, though. Do that. Um, yeah. So, thank you, Gordon, for writing in. Um, thank you, Lizzie, for walking around. And uh, <laughs> so, it's time for Movie Mashup. Hey. Okay. Nick, you weren't here for this last week. This is the game where I meld two synopses together because the titles are... You can build the titles together. I can't explain this very well. So, I'm just going to read you an example. Okay. So, sharpshooter Matt Quigley is hired from Wyoming by an Australian rancher paying a very high price to seduce French women out of their inheritances. And that movie, of course, would be Quigley Down Under the Cherry Moon. I knew Quigley Down Under. So did I. Yeah, Yeah, Tim knew Quigley Down Under, but it took him forever to get under the cherry. I think Willie guessed Under the Cherry Moon. Yeah, that's funny. I actually just listened to that episode, uh, so it was a little fresh in my mind. 
Yeah. yeah. By the way, you guys have done a wonderful job the last few weeks. Well, thank you. We I, missed you. Yeah. They've been well, gone I almost for... didn't want to come back. It's really good <laughs> So, listeners, write in. Do you want me to leave forever? And, yeah. Uh... Please tell us if you want Nick to leave or tell us if you don't want him to leave because I have a feeling they would sure not Tom's want like, you to Get leave. him out of there. <laughs> didn't like 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> uh, I bet Tom still appreciates your opinion. We'll see. Tom, let us know. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, movie mashup. So, uh, th- these are all with superhero movies in them. Oh, so okay. it's w- uh, uh, I got you. I got you. There, at least one of the movies is yeah. a superhero movie. All right. So uh, Tim's like stretching. <laughs> <laughs> whoever, uh, whoever says it first gets gets you know blurted out as fast as you can. Okay. All right. A planet-eating menace travels to the solar system while leading a surfer on a wave-twisting tail with a side of soul-searching and existential crisis. Neither of you are going to get that second movie. <laughs> can, you, can you say it again a little bit slower? A planet-eating menace travels to the solar system leaving, well, sorry, leading a surfer on a wave-twisting tail with a side of soul-searching and existential crisis. Um... I'm going to say Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Dude. You got it. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. <laughs> nice. Good job, Tim. I only do that because I bought Greg, my brother, the Surfer Dude there for it. And he's like, I'm never watching this because it's a stoner movie with Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> Willie Nelson, and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I thought I, I was going through thinking of, of, of superhero movies and I thought of Rise of the Silver Surfer and I was like, well, I got to do Sil- Surfer Dude then. Uh, uh, I've never seen it, I, but... For some reason, my brain immediately went to Surf Ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that was not the case. No, sadly, no. Uh, all right. Number two. Zombies may have taken over the world, but that won't stop one mercenary from exacting revenge on the man who ruined his life. Yeah, well, um... Punisher, World War Z. That is incorrect. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> good though. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty good. That I mean, yeah. One more time. Zombies may have taken over the world, but that won't stop one mercenary from exacting revenge on the man who ruined his life. Yeah, that latter part sounds like anything. <laughs> Steven Seagal <laughs> or John Claude. Hmm. So you got two movies here. I can give you guys some hints. Do you think you know one of the two? Cool. These are both kind of hard, I guess. But yeah. One of them's a superhero movie. You know that. We'll read, it, read it one more time for me. Zombies may have taken over the world, but that won't stop one mercenary from exacting revenge on the man who ruined his life. Is it Land of the Deadpool or Night of the Living Deadpool? Land of the Deadpool oh, is correct. Okay. okay. I picked the, the Romero movie with John Leguizamo. Uh, yeah. Also fresh in my mind because you guys just talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alex's weirdly noncommittal track record to John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen Spawn? No. Spawn's crazy. I've seen the past 80 billion times, but I've never seen Spawn. That makes up for a lot. <laughs> Spawn's dumb, but it's it's, it's kind of sweet. You kind of Like, I was thinking about it more. Because Martin Sheets really funny at it. All right. Remember. I'll watch Spawn. Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm okay with right. that. <laughs> it's got Michael J. White. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Who I have a signed shirtless picture of. 
<laughs> yes, you do. Thanks. And when we asked him for it, the yeah. look he gave everybody was. <laughs> he no, left really, the, we've left a voicemail on really questionable. <laughs> do you still have the voicemail somewhere? No, it was at my old phone. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's All right. I saved it forever. <laughs> All right. It's, it's just etched into your mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one's kind of terrible, but okay. hopefully you guys get it anyway. This is number three. An alien from another planet finds work and friends in a small beauty salon in Louisiana. <laughs> An alien from another planet. Mm-hmm. Finds work what and friends? Work and friends in a small beauty salon in Louisiana. Super. Oh, man, of Steel Magnolias. That is correct. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, this one's also terrible, no, that was so I awesome. apologize. That was a good one. <laughs> nice. Uh, number four, after hearing rumors of a dead mutant body in the woods, a group of boys head on a journey to find it, only to learn the mutant has been cured of his mutation before X-Men he died. three, the last stand by me. There you go. Oh, nice. You got it. Uh, Jerry right. McConnell. <laughs> sliders. Right now we're two and two. Was uh, Last Stand, that was Rebecca, Mon- was she in that? Rebecca Romaine was in that too, right? She Probably, was. yeah. Jerry O'Connell, Ooh, Rebecca Romaine, there you go. and they were married. Right? Oh, man, I'm even better no, at they this were. than I knew. Or they were something, weren't they? I don't know. They were together at one point. I'm making that up. <laughs> I don't think I Maybe know. not. I think that's... Well, he was on Sliders. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And she was in an X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five. A spider... Oh, Hollywood gossip. <laughs> A spider-bitten, super-powered teenager swears vengeance on those who committed an unspeakable act on the family he swore to protect in Mexico City. Spider-Man on on fire. fire. (laughs) That's a tie, because you said that at the same time. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Nice. In 12th century England, the world's greatest detective teams up with a man in tights to take down a cold-hearted scientist and a sheriff. Um, cold-hearted scientist and a sheriff. Can you say it one more time? In 12th century England, the world's greatest detective teams up with a man in tights to take down a cold-hearted scientist and a sheriff. I really melded these two together. Yeah. Um, the man in tights. Yeah. It'll make sense. It'll make sense when you know the answer. <laughs> it's helpful, It'll all come together. Um, mm. Any idea? I'm trying to remember what the Sherlock Holmes movies are called. There's Game of Shadows, and there's another one, isn't there? Or is it it's just, just called Sherlock Holmes. Is it Holmes, just called though. Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. yeah. Shadows. I'm not even on the right track. I don't know why I keep going. Because the greatest detectives these are Batman or Sherlock Holmes, right? But you said 11th century? 12th century 12th England. 12th century England. I, oh, yeah. But I've really mixed together these. This is a totally fictitious, not actually anywhere near the movie synopsis. Teams up with... In 12th century England, the world's greatest detective teams up with a man in tights to take down a cold-hearted scientist and a sheriff. <laughs> Batman and Robin Hood. There you go. Oh you got God. it. I thought Robin Hood, but I was trying to tie it into Batman under the red Robin Hood or something like that. <laughs> that was nice. close. It wasn't until the, the yeah, that was good. The cold part. I remember. Oh, Arnold. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And just so you know, I do not have the synopses in order for all of these. Okay. So, uh, the cast of a sci-fi TV show end up filling their roles in real life as they take on a fanatical warrior hell-bent on controlling the universe. Guardians of the Galaxy Quest. That's correct. Mm. It's four and a half to two and a half. (laughs) There's two more left. So you could tie it up, Nick. Probably not. (laughs) A former UN employee finds himself traveling the world to help stop the uprising of genocidal dark elves when the seven realms align. Thor the Dark World War Z. There you go. Uh oh. That's how bad. Two World War Z guys. You were a little early there, yeah. (laughs) Uh, all right, and then final one here. A young man and his horse are thrust into a war <laughs> where super-powered bre- brethren have taken opposing sides. <laughs> I really wanted to be Punisher War Horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sadly, no. That would have been real good, though. <laughs> Say it again. A young man and his horse are thrust into a war where super-powered bre- brethren have taken opposing sides. Brethren used loosely. Oh, Captain America Civil War horse. That's correct. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. You guys, should, you should know this by now. That <laughs> it always lead, leads in. Alex's lead-ins. I actually, yeah. <laughs> so that leads us to our review of the Russo Brothers Captain America Civil War. Oh, the road to Civil War. We made it. Yes. <laughs> we did. The IMDb synopsis says, Political interference in the Avengers activities causes a rift between former allies Captain America and Iron Man. This movie stars Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, Don Cheadle, uh, Jeremy Renner, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Rudd, everybody in the world. They're all there. Martin Tom Freeman. Holland, Martin Freeman. Uh, Marissa William Hurt. William Hurt. William Hurt. Yeah, Marissa Tomei. All those people. So, uh, yeah. Civil War. I remember us talking about this movie. A long time ago, mm-hmm. being worried that it would be more of an Avengers movie than a Captain America movie. Um, uh, so, I don't know. Well, it's time to find out how you guys felt about that. Nick, what did you think of Captain America Civil War? Uh, I liked it a lot. I think it is an Avengers movie. It's not a Captain America movie. Um, it's Avengers 3, basically. I actually think Stark might have more... More screen kind time? of more going on. Yeah, maybe yeah, not more all, screen yeah. time, but more going on, certainly. Uh, it's a really interesting movie, though. I think it's been... There have been a lot of times on the podcast when like the the reviews of Marvel movies come up, and then when, when the DC ones get, get mentioned early on, when they were starting to try to form their universe, and I frequently kind of said I was always disappointed in Marvel movies for not having as much depth as I thought they could. And although they're they are super entertaining, they always are a lot of fun, and the, and the the comic book reader and fan in me always gets really excited with what I end up seeing. <clears throat> I'm frequently always kind of like, yeah, that was a really cool movie. I really like that movie, but I always kind of wanted a little bit more. And especially with, uh, you know, I had a lot of disappointment with Ant Man, with it not being centered around Hank Pym because yeah. I thought there was a lot of uh, missed potential for some really interesting depth and all that. And I love what they did to Scott. Scott's also a really great character, and he's he's really. He's really fun to watch, and he has his own depth, which is just different. Uh, it's just it, it's just different, but yeah. it's really good. So anyway, Ant Man was great, but um, this is this feels like the the first Marvel movie where I've been like, whoa, like this is heavy. There's some <laughs> heavy shit in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. The two there's like two main conflicts, 
And what's really cool is they, they both raise two really great moral premises and almost every character in the movie gets to interact with it or voice their opinion on it in some way. Not just, I mean, not just like blatantly saying like I'm with cap and like, that's their opinion, <laughs> but they get to like actually kind of weigh in on, on how it affects them through like cross dialogue with other characters or for how they respond to a certain situation. And there's so chock full of characters that the fact that you kind of, not only do you know where everyone stands, but you kind of know why, and you kind of know how, what part of their core being makes them feel that way that's remarkable mm-hmm. and part of it might be because we've you know we've had like nine movies before yeah. this or whatever that have helped establish who all these people are but still wrangling it all together and 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 this uh you know ironing it out into a relatively streamlined movie i mean i didn't feel the time in this movie at all no. and as i naturally felt the third act kind of reaching its middle point and knowing that we were coming to some big climax i actually was bummed out i was like oh man i'd like another like another half hour of this, that'd be pretty yeah. sweet. Uh, but I wouldn't obviously wouldn't want it to oversee its welcome. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's really really good. I don't know if it's my favorite Marvel movie, but it could be upon some repeat viewings. I don't know. It's uh, the action is spectacular. Um, the acting is really good. This is the best Robert Downey Jr. has probably been in the whole series. Certainly, you know, maybe only second to Iron Man one, if anything. But he's he's phenomenal, and he's finally given something really really awesome to sink his teeth into. Chris Evans is on point. I mean, all all the all the big characters are really good. The only I, have, I do have I do have some criticisms. Uh, one of which I can't really talk too much about until spoilers, even though it's it's such a broad thing about the movie. But I don't know what people know and don't know, you know. Yeah. So uh, I'll leave that. I want to come back to it though, and hopefully I don't forget. But I always do until we're like wrapping up the episode, <laughs> and then <laughs> I'll try the to other, remind you. The other thing is like. We talk about it a lot on the show, and it's almost kind of funny that I get so sucked into every movie we go see that I miss the most obvious shit and and the dumbest, most blatant twists always like just <laughs> soar right past me, and I'm like, what? And like, my mind is always because I just get so into it that uh, nothing else matters. And with this movie, there were a couple things that were so so telegraphed. I was like, ugh, mm. and sometimes like somewhat flaky or or you know special effects don't really bother me if it's like a couple inconsistencies here and there i don't really mind it like i was one of those guys that like when halo 3 came out and i was playing it and like the level was popping in ahead of me i didn't care yeah because i was like look where i am this is so cool and other people go oh the popping is such shit in this game why do you like it and i was like who cares man look where you're at and usually with these movies that's the way i feel like if cg cg's a little spotty i'm like yeah whatever it's part of the ride but this movie the CG really stands out sometimes, and I was—I hmm. noticed a real lack of polish and a, a lack of really making it fit. And a lot of it seemed like a really questionable choice. Like there's certain there's whole sequences where entire characters are CG that don't need to be, and I was like, why? That's a weird decision to make. The only thing I can think is that a lot of this movie takes place in like broad daylight, just like it's noon and the sun is right above you, and it's <laughs> a clear day, and so that obviously it's a lot harder to blend. But I, I kind of wondered why. It seemed like a weird choice. Or a couple, a couple moments and a couple characters. So that that is a, for me to notice that in a movie, it must be like pretty off. Hmm. I think for me to, for it to pop out and really make me notice. But anyway, it's a really it's a really awesome movie. It's got some really interesting conflicts. I think that uh, if you're an engaged viewer and you've got an open mind, you'll probably have a lot of fun and maybe a lot of like inner torment trying to decide yeah. how you feel about certain things. And for for doing that, for achieving that, not only in a Marvel movie, but doing it so spectacularly after DC failed so miserably, 
is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, like it's not, it feels almost like they whipped this movie up and threw it in an easy bake oven and made it like after they saw BVS and it was like, oh no, <laughs> we, got, we got this. It's funny. So anyway, it's really great. I'm excited to see it again. Uh, I'm excited for everybody to see it, and uh, it's. I'm ready to 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 be able to weigh in ultimately on how I feel about it after I see it one more time. Right. It's, it's a it's a very worthy entry into the MCU. Okay, Tim, what did you think of Captain America: Civil War? A lot right on this. Yeah, movie. I was it was because it's got Spider Man. It's got Spider Man. I haven't liked a comic book movie yet this year. I don't watch the TV shows. Like I just can't get into them. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, this better be good." Like maybe I hate superheroes now. Like, I don't like them. I do. <laughs> this was the, the movie. bubble has burst. Yeah, the bubble has burst. <laughs> um, so I went into this a lot of pressure, and I didn't really like uh, Winter Soldier that much, mm. which makes me. I love mm-hmm. your, your huge beef with Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bucky. I, I don't. I don't like the character of Bucky. Cap needs to kick him to the curb. He's a real problem. <laughs> he keeps dragging him down, um, and he's just. <laughs> He's like the friend who, like, yeah, just won't get his act together. He's mm-hmm. drunk all the time. <laughs> just like he shows up to your house at two in the morning, <laughs> try to stay on the couch. Um, yeah, so he's a problem. Um, so yeah, yeah, going into this, like, a lot of pressure on the Russo's shoulders, and yeah. I liked it. It was good. Um, I watched it twice. As did I. Did you see it twice? Okay, cool. Yes. Um, we both saw it for Mother's Day with our mothers. We did. Yeah. <laughs> we did, and. The it's too long. I didn't want to do it because I do it every week, and I just it's probably because I'm just old now. <laughs> but it's I, I like, and if you honestly, if you gave me an editing machine for the, most of these summer movies, they'd be like an hour and fifteen minutes. At most. <laughs> We'd have just a Jonah Hex every year. It's like get rid of that. Oh, we gotta get rid of that. It would pretty much just be the airport fight scene in this. <laughs> I would love. I'd love to see the Tim cut. <laughs> Of movies, because <laughs> the second time I was just sitting there, like during that first hour, I was like, "That oh, I cut that, I cut that, like the Peggy, Peggy Carter stuff." Bye. Will you cut together <laughs> the Hobbit trilogy? Oh please? my God, someone should. <laughs> um, I will add more violence. Um, <laughs> when I when I do my recut of Place Beyond the Pines, which we talked about like one hundred and twenty episodes ago, yeah. yeah, which I still really want to do. You can. Come over with Come up over Civil, Civil, Civil War we'll, we'll and provide some notes. <laughs> no, 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 to bring Civil. We'll, we'll, we'll trim down Civil War too, yeah. and yeah, it'll be it'll be really good. <laughs> Just a day full of editing. Um, editing, yeah. So yeah, uh, where was I? Liked it a lot. Spider Man. Spider Man. Oh, we will get into Spider Man. Yeah, okay. I needed. Um, here's the thing about Spider Man in this movie, without getting too spoilery, is um, there's no point to him really. <laughs> He's completely out of. Out of left field. It's a commercial for another movie. It really is, but it's done better. And I was just... By that point in the movie, because my big issue with the first hour is it's a lot of setup. Yeah. Like a lot of setup. And it's it's good setup and it pays off. Um, And it's weird. This is a weird movie because you can see that, oh, first act, second act, third act. You can tell where it breaks, but it's really, it's really a two-half movie. It's kind of like the Fast and Furious, the later Fast and Furious movies where that first half is getting all the pieces together and then the second half is just blowout fun. Um, and there are plenty of other movies, but that's the, that's the modern example I think of when I see that. And it kind of uses that template. And so it's fun. Um, but it's that first hour there, it is, it can be kind of dour. And that's why I was so happy when Spider-Man showed up because 
part of me, I like a lot more, like Nick was saying, a lot more the complex questions it brings up. And I think it does a, um, a much better, I know this isn't a adaptation, but it's a much better job of a much more subtle job than the, uh, civil war comic did. Yeah. Um, you can uh, actually see both sides mm-hmm. having points. Here. And I thought it was pretty impressive that they did that because the civil war comic had like seven issues to do that. And it didn't do it except for, I thought the Iron Man like side series did it pretty well. I thought hmm. Bennis's side series did it pretty well, but the main series did not like everybody just kind of acted like the plot wanted it to. Yeah. Um, so I thought I was very impressive. It, it, like Nick said, is the way each character had, I mean, they came at it from their own perspective and they all made their own decisions. And I went with my um, parents the second time and they had not seen Ant-Man and they barely remembered Avengers 2 because my dad turned to me and they goes, who's, who's that red guy? Who's that red guy? <laughs> yeah. And I just go, Hellboy. But they, like, at the end of the, end of the movie, like, they're like, I was like, did you guys get it? Because, like, you barely remember that one and you didn't see Ant-Man at all. They're like, yeah, we got it. And they're like, we love Ant-Man. He's, he's hilarious. Yeah. So that's, that's a testament to the movie that, I mean, it can just do that and... Testament to Paul Rudd's likability. Yeah. And probably Paul Bettany, too. So by the time... Because um, I Vision is awesome. Vision's great. Yeah. Vision, they nailed him in this movie. Yeah. They do. I mean, it's so good. I love Vision. Oh, they give him sweaters. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of sweaters, yeah. So yeah, by the time Spider-Man and Ant-Man roll in, I was ready for... A Some levity. Bit. And that, and that was what was so exciting to me is part of me, yeah, likes these complex stories, the more complex stories they're telling... Um, although I think at this point we, we've nailed the, uh, superhero collateral damage story. Like we've, we've had it like between this and Dark Knight and, um, Avengers 2 and Batman vs Superman. I think it's been, we've got it covered now. Um, but that's part of, like, part of me wants to just see a simple Spider-Man good guy versus bad guy. The weird thing is I don't feel like any of them really come to the conclusion of like, this is a necessary problem. But, but. We can talk more about that later. Right. No. But. I guess right. So, yeah, that's just kind of where I was going with that. So. um, And I want to say the big improvement over Winter Soldier for me was what sunk the Winter Soldier for me was I thought the action was horrible. I thought it it was unwatchable. Even though Batrock was there. Oh, that was a good. That was such. That was what bummed me out. I couldn't tell what he was doing. Yeah, I want. I want bad tra- I want clear shots of him leaping, <laughs> like Ray Park's toe. Uh, you need yeah. leaping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ray Park's toe. <laughs> Just wire food. Yeah. Michael Jai White spun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just clear shots of Betrock. Um, but no, I did. The action I thought was really. It just it took me out of the movie each time, and um, I thought this was everything I will. I had heard that movie was okay. Um, I thought it was smarter and I thought it was deeper. I thought it was more complex. I thought the action was better. So, and I was really worried after that when they gave the uh, Russo civil war, because I went that I, like, that's gotta be all action for most yeah. of it. And it's gotta be, but then this airplane, um, hangar sequence happened. I went a whole, okay, yeah, this'll be good now. Okay. God, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I, d- I didn't think I'd ever seen it. Like, it reminded me of the feeling I, I got when I was younger and I used to watch Jackie Chan movies. Yeah. Where I was like, this is never going to end and I don't want it to. <laughs> and, and how are they doing it? Yeah. And it, yeah, that's a great feeling. Yeah. Actually, I would, I would be really remiss if I didn't get a chance pre-spoilers to talk about how great Black Panther is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He's really awesome. Totally. I'm super excited for the Black Panther. Not that I wasn't before, but now I feel like I have a reason to be excited about it. Like, it, I think... He had a lot to prove because he basically John had, Wick boss man. Is, he basically had to... 
had to build up hype for an, a solo movie with no like precursor whatsoever yeah. on like a B-list at best yep. character. That book is selling like crazy now. Oh, yeah. The is new it? series? The new oh, series. Yeah. Good. Really I, I went into the comic book store yesterday and someone came in asking for it. And wow. it's like, he, the comic book guy was like, no, you can get that for 30 bucks on eBay like right now. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it, it was a big deal. Uh, before it was even out, they were, ta- they were talking it up pretty big. Apparently, mm-hmm. it's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones I don't pick up that become worth a lot. I know, I know. Because I, yeah. I put it on my pull list right after. I'm like, I should start getting that. But now i got to hunt down one. I'll probably wait till it comes out on Unlimited or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, last thing I wanted to say is, yeah, I think I'm like the lone defender of Avengers 2 on this podcast. No? No. I mean, you're a much more staunch defender I than, think I am. than I am at this point. I but. do think it was... I think it's... I will grant you it's not a perfect film <laughs> or it's it's not but I think it's a necessary movie and I've heard some people say it's not but I think it is because I think you need at least one more Avengers team movie before you get to this point just That's you, I fair. don't I don't think you can go just Avengers 1 no more team movies now they're fighting each other I think it's I think you kind of need a build in between I I think yeah I I think it may have that may have been some of Whedon's issue with that movie too. Is it? I think he probably wanted to lead a little bit more into. I don't know. I don't know. Whole, whole story, to, to me, but. I just feel like the there's enough internal conflict in the first Avengers that I think this would have worked as Avengers two. Uh huh. Because you would get it literally if they just flip flop. Like if they would have if Ant Man would have been in the Avengers two slot and then this would have come out next. Yeah. I think it would have just been an amazing avengers movie and then if they did like age of ultron down the road and they could have had hank pym be the one who created ultron i think it would have fixed a lot of like some of the issues that i had with that movie i do and after rewatching avengers age of ultron i'm like this is better than i thought it was Mm -hmm. but it's still it's got problems but but i do want to say this i um where i was going with that was um I came. I went out of Avengers two, and I just went. Oh, I, I like that. And, but that, like, I came out of this one, and it was the first time I had this feeling since probably. Well, I guess Guardians, but Avengers mainly, and this, these sort of movies was where I was like, I want to watch the rest of them right now. Like, yeah. I, like, yep. I wanna, and then I want to read comics. Like, yep. I, like it was. I was like, whoa, that was like, was cool. Like, I was happy and inspired and ready to go. So I did not come out of that um, with Avengers two. So, yeah. So that kind of goes to tell you. All right. Uh, yeah, I liked the movie quite a bit um you guys have pretty much said everything that's fantastic about it so you know i don't want to say too much in terms of spoilery stuff uh i agreed with spider-man i didn't really understand why tony would get go to him in the first place i don't it didn't really make any sense to me but i was okay with it when it happened because i think He's probably one of the better Spider-Mans that we've seen. Oh, absolutely. If not the best, in my opinion. Um, I liked seeing Thunderbolt again. I think it's a really cool place to bring Thunderbolt Ross into the story, especially seeing how it was William Hurt. Like, he reprised his role from Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, he was... I mean, I really like The Incredible Hulk. I think it's an awesome movie. Uh, but yeah, he was always really, really good. I was Absolutely, great casting, and I like how they've they've raised. He's the Secretary of State now. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, like because, because he need, he needed to get out of the field because he had a heart attack on the yeah. golf course, right? <laughs> yeah, couldn't but, be a general anymore. Couldn't be sweating it about the Hulk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Secretary of State's less stressful, I'm sure, than being a general. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you guys, we've kind of had, and we talked about this leading up to the movie and we've had issues with it in the past. How did you feel about the humor in the movie? Tim, you felt like there wasn't much humor. Or you felt the the first hour of the movie was pretty dour up until you get to Spider-Man. Yeah, it wasn't like depressing or anything. Okay. But I was like, oh, this is serious business stuff right now. And it, I didn't have an issue with it. I thought it. I thought there were probably a couple scenes where they repeated themselves a yeah. couple times where I'm like, I would get it. Like, um, like, I thought it could have been. I thought the... Peggy Carter stuff in this was a bit extraneous. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was whatever. <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah, as far as the humor goes, um, I don't know. I guess I'm not the one to ask on this. The humor I thought was used correctly. Yeah. Um, in the middle part of the movie, it needed to lighten up a little bit. And then when it got serious again, it got serious. I thought they balanced it really well. Um, I agree. I thought, oh yeah, they balanced the tone really well. And I think, I haven't had the most problems in the past. I know Gojo was was unhappy with how funny, like starting from Iron Man three and on, the movies were were seemed to have a lot of emphasis on humor. Did you have any issues with that, Nick? With the other movies or this one? Well, both. Like, did you think that was an issue, and do you think it was an issue in this movie? <laughs> well, yeah, I hated the Ultron. It was like Chuckles the Clown. Yeah, like that was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I, I get what he's saying. I think that. Most Marvel movies can be distilled down to like wisecracking one liner white guy. Like that's kind of the way they all are. But that sometimes it's kind of the way comic books are. So it's Yeah. I mean Iron Man as a character was never really that way. He is now in the comics yeah. because of Downey. Yep. But you know, it kind of made it makes sense for certain characters and those characters just happen to kind of be the ones that catch on because yeah. they're entertaining. So that's fine. With this movie, I thought this movie was like like Raiders of the Lost Ark level balancing act. I mean, the jokes were great when they and they were they were short. I always like movies, especially like modern comedies, seem to have this awful problem of just Dragging. holding a joke for too long. <laughs> yeah. Less is more with a joke. There's a part, the part in the, this movie that made our theater laugh the hardest. There was there weren't even words. Yeah, and it was great. It was a great joke. It was just one. It was there. It was gone. And then you talk about it later. Like that's kind of stuff that's funny. And I, I, that's the kind of stuff that lands and everybody can appreciate. And it's memorable. Yeah. Like, it's really funny because you can point out that one moment. And this movie, is a, there's a whole string of really funny moments. It's like when Superbad came out and everybody was like, this movie is the funniest movie. It's so funny. And I watched it and I was like, nothing about this movie is funny except for <laughs> the two cops. I was like, literally, it's all it's like swearing and vagina and dick jokes. And like, I, I couldn't even pull one joke out of that movie, really, because the whole movie is one giant like run-on sentence of like bad words and stuff. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't funny. This isn't well done. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> That's fine. Like a lot of people do, but I just like, I'm just like, was like, stop. Like there, there was no balance. Like comedies don't always have to be funny. They, they should even go up and down. Yeah. And unless you're like the naked gun where it's nothing but jokes and they're all brilliant, like that, which uh, maybe, you know, you don't like the naked gun. I don't whoa, know. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'll put those words in my mouth. I love the naked gun. Uh, but anyway, with this movie, it was, I thought it was a great job. And I also loved, um, the banter in this felt really natural. Totally. Like the team, the team banter in some of these Marvel movies is really forced. Like I've thought, and and there have been moments in like the previous, like I guess both Avengers films, there are moments where it's very, it feels very good and like organic, and there's sometimes it's hit or it feels miss. really forced. And this movie, I thought 
the whole time except for Black Widow, who is just, what is up with her? Man? <laughs> like, she, she really impresses me in one movie, and I'm like, wow, they, that's great. Like, they got her. And then she mumbled her way through this whole movie in just, like, the most monotone, boring delivery of everything. <laughs> the only scene I thought she was really good in was when she's talking to Black Panther. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, I really like this interaction. And then the rest of her just said, oh, It might be, yeah, writer. You're not going to stop, Writer-director thing. You're not going yeah. to stop, are you? <laughs> He's not going to stop. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, you're so boring. It's terrible, but yeah, I think the banter felt really natural and the establishing of, of how the team works together, and I really like the fact that it takes place so much later than Winter Soldier, like some real time has passed, Yeah, which is also really cool because I'm glad we cut into Spider-Man already being Spider-Man, Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they quickly, <laughs> the most important part of this movie is Ant-Man, and I'm glad that they, they, <laughs> they established that he's, he's spent a lot of time being Ant-Man since then, Yeah, since Ant-Man. It was really cool. Like he's had more time. They've to been doing mobile. lab stuff in the lab, yes, like yes. figuring out yep. more he's applications. Be, he's more and... experienced with with because I mean he was having a hard time diving through a keyhole in the movie, and in this yeah. movie he does some way crazier shit. So yeah, it's pretty sweet. But everything just felt like this really natural progression. Yeah, and that was really refreshing. And that's like some real. It's so dumb to be able to just watch a tentpole movie and be like, wow. That's, it all a, makes that's sense. a well-made movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, oh, they did it. They made a good movie. Like, isn't that stupid? Like, that's that remarkable now? No, well, that's yeah. I guess that's my that's my counter to some people who are like who are like, oh man, Marvel. Like, I'm sick of Marvel movies. I'm sick of Marvel. Well, I'm like, well, half the time these are only movies that are already good. Yeah. Like during the summer, honestly. I mean, and this one's going to be sure. This one's going to be rewatchable for a long time. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it twice. Like you, so it's very possible that I'll see it again and I'll be like, whoa. This first hour is a drag all of a sudden. But uh, for my first viewing, I mean, everything was keeping me The problem enticed. with the rewatch for me was that I was so excited for parts later in the movie <laughs> yeah. that the, the beginning is going to feel like a drag even it, if it, it is, isn't. It's definitely a lot of, like Tim said, a build and, yeah. and like in almost uh, expos- exposition yeah. for a while. And this feels like the first one where if I, if I took someone who had never seen any Marvel movies, they might kind of be leaning over going... So what's that event? What was the one am I watching? Nicole came with me the second time and she uh, hasn't seen anything since Iron Man and Ant-Man. Those are the two movies that she's seen. And so I gave her some of the background on 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 some of the stuff that's going on, but I just, by the end of the movie she was like, "Yeah, I feel like it all made sense. like the same question that Tim asked his parents is like, "Did you get does this make sense?" Yeah. She, she, she. It made sense to her, and by the end of the movie, she was Team Iron Man, and I'm Team Cap. So it was like Ooh. we could have we could have a discussion about it. And- what Nicole? <laughs> She's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're talking around plot points at this point. Uh, yeah. I I really enjoyed the movie. I have some complaints. I want to get into them in spoiler terry. So uh, I think we all say go see Civil War. Because it's not like it you haven't be already. Seen in theaters, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. Even well, the Gaylord Theater, where I'm from, yeah, that didn't have used to have a green line running down the screen. You couldn't mm. pay with credit cards. <laughs> no more green line, and now you can pay with your credit. Did they yeah. take American Express? Probably not. Yeah, no. not yet. No. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> they take like just Discover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna go into spoiler Terry, and they we'll have be one right of those. back. Yeah, the machine. Yeah, the, <laughs> <it> in the <laughs> paper. <laughs> Here's yeah, your make, copy, sir. <laughs> Carbon like copy. Home Alone 2. I always think of Home Alone 2 because they run it and Kevin's like, wow. <laughs> He's so blown away. All right. We'll be right back.
Here we are in spoiler Terry. Nick, can you remember the thing that you were talking around? There was one plot no. point in general about the movie. You felt like you didn't know if people would know it or not. Maybe it's in the trailers. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Uh, was it Spider-Man related? I was talking. I said that I, the, C, I, the CGI. Him? Yeah, was the one CGI. Of the things that bothered me, and then it's the other big thing that kind of bothered. Because I wanted to touch on oh. it. Oh, okay. Oh. Baron Zemo. Oh. Oh, okay. What the? I didn't not like him, but t- you could remove him from this movie, and it will still work. Yeah, and and I didn't. I was so was, again. I was so into the movie while I was watching it. I was just I was just along for the ride. I was ex- I was totally just engaged, buckled in. Wasn't really thinking about it critically at all while I was watching it. And then when I left the movie and I started to circle back around to Baron Zemo because I really wanted to see him put on his purple mask and it, <laughs> which is fine. But I, I started like circling back and I suddenly realized I'm like, wait, everything about him makes no sense in this movie. Like his whole scheme is based on so much luck he's got and the total incompetence of every world government and (laughs) and how does he even know so it's really not that much luck (laughs) how does he even know about winter soldier in the first place like this is like the top most secret of top secret things like well because he decrypted the files that black widow put on the internet after the uh, after shield was taken but how did he know about the event with howard stark how did he know that was howard stark oh he asked i don't think he knew yeah, he had to. Yeah, the whole he, crux he, of his entire plan involved he, well, pitting Cap against Yeah, but Iron didn't Man. he? He did ask um, Winter Soldier at some point. Like he, he said, "Tell me about." Yeah, that. he asked for the mission yeah, report, and then then they cut away from it. They but he seemed for, to have. He had to have had an ink, an inkling of what that date was because he was asking the the former handler of all the Winter Soldiers before that, and this is before he had the video footage. Like, how does he know? Because, well, well, I mean, that, that, that mission was the one that brought forth those Winter Soldiers. He wanted to know where they were so he could kill them because he hated the fact that he didn't want, as he says when, when Cap and Iron Man and Bucky walk in, he's like, I killed them because I don't, it's not, you guys think I want more of you around? So he killed, and I think it was kind of incidental no, that it was No, because he said his whole, his whole plan was to get revenge on the Avengers because they killed his family. Because his family died in Sokovia, like this was his whole his whole thrust, his whole uh, point was uh, was to get revenge on them. And, it, and I just I'm struggling to understand how he knew and how he got all these insane little chess pieces. Yeah, to no, I, it is it is a total thing of convenience. plus. It's just a rehash of the the conflict from the first Avengers, really, just on a bigger scale. It makes more sense in this movie. It makes no sense in the first Avengers. No, wait, 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 wait. That was his plan in this movie is to have the Avengers tear themselves apart from the inside. Yeah, that's not Loki's plan in the first movie, is it? Yeah, his plan is to get them all in the same place and make them fight each other and oh, tear them right. yeah. apart from the inside. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's also kind of a little bit of the of the twins' issue in Age of Ultron, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there it's kind go. of a mix of both. So I mean, the thing the thing is like it's. Uh, it's fine. Like it didn't really bother me while I was watching the movie, but I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, why? Why is Marvel still struggling to make like a really amazing villain? Because they don't have the good ones aren't with them, or their Spider-Mans. But they they can make good. I mean, they made Ronan the Accuser a pretty good villain, and he's he's not like that's that's debatable. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that would be like, who's Ronan? Like what? <laughs> I I think I think the com- if you were gonna point out the compelling ones, it would be the Netflix guys, and it would be. Yeah. 
It would be like Loki's. I think Loki's up there, even though he's overplayed. Loki in the first Thor is definitely the best Marvel villain. Yeah, he's he's really good. I think depend. I mean, obviously, depending on which side of the of the debate you fall on, you could almost argue that either Cap or Iron Man is kind of the better villain of the movie because they're opposing what you believe in. Like, I think Stark is almost more of a more of an interesting villain than Zemo. He's not a villain, but and he's very sympathetic. But he's he's kind of he's a conflict. He's the one who's turning on his friends like he's yeah. kind of seems like the instigator and uh well that, if, that's you, if, really you, interesting. if you if you aren't tim <laughs> well i mean I, I think even objectively like cap doesn't really he just doesn't want to do the thing that people are telling him to do i don't think that makes him instigator he's like no i just don't want to do that he's not being he's not threatening people well yeah he's but but he's also kind of like you could almost think he's the villain because he's not not obeying the law yeah you know I think it's there. It depends on what side you're on. But well, it, I mean, yeah, we're also at some point, here. yeah, he has to be held accountable for his actions. I mean, I don't think what Tony proposes in this movie is completely insane. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's completely insane, but on the same, like, I, I, I agree with Cap that it is just shifting the blame. Right. Like, Cap is very much like, we need to own these mistakes that we've made. Mm-hmm. We don't get to put it on the government or somebody else just because they command us. But anyway, we don't it's need really to. It's really cool because it, it really distills the two characters down to their core. You've got like Soldier who who has to, has to learn to deal with the heavy stuff and, and you know, Soldier on, you know, pick yeah. yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going and like shoulder that shit. And like you and then you've got like the perfectionist who just it's all or nothing for him. Yeah. It's like, oh, I make weapons that hurt people. I'm going to dismantle them all. I can't have any weapons. And he's he's that way throughout the entire run of MCU. It's like all or nothing. Yeah. It's really uh compromise is a struggle for him. And it's pretty cool to watch those two personalities who have been kind of grinding against each other for a long time. And yeah, no, what Tim said is totally true. Like obviously, especially when Thunderbolt Ross lays out his PowerPoint presentation and you see like all this global destruction and you're kind of like, Yeah, that's horrible and like Vision raises the really cool quandary of like S ever since I first of all, I love how much of this movie spins directly out of iron man one that's really cool that they were planting all these seeds and they probably didn't even know it at the time yeah mm-hmm. but him saying you know uh, ever since mr stark said to the world he's iron man we've seen a rise in these kind of people which is a cool thing that i just addressed in a lot of superhero movies like the batman begins they're like oh this guy's here now there's this guy and this guy it's a really cool trend and i think that, that was a really interesting thing for them to kind of touch on even if they didn't blow it up too much but i think what tim said is right yeah like obviously there has to be some sort of Accountability. accountability, yeah, totally. I think there is accountability too, but finding a way to like regulate it is interesting. Well, I think what you said, even in non-spoilers, of just it does a better job than the comic. Yeah, like, yeah. definitely. Yeah, of showing both sides. And I liked the comic at the time, like when I first read it, because I thought it was. I mean, it plays with some neat ideas. Um, but Mark Mark Millar is like he's like the king of like writing a comic and then having a filmmaker make his comic better. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kingsman and the first Kick-Ass are both way better. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I, I don't, I don't think I would like want it either one of them. So, um, <laughs> cause I think it's kind of a gross movie. Um, so yeah, it, but this does it. Yeah. A much better job of, cause it presents everybody's side of the story. And I yeah. loved the wrinkle it threw in um, with black Panther in this. Because Black Panther is just like, for the most part, he's like a kind of a neutral party. He's just he just wants to get Winter Soldier, 
and get revenge. And yeah. I loved his last his last scene is so good it's, with Zemo. Yeah. Oh, and that and that that scene oh my gosh. Zemo is I mean Zemo's amazing in that scene. Yep. It was a great scene. Yeah, that's a great scene. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah, because for, for the most part, I was like, oh, Black Panther's cool. Black Panther's cool. And I'm like, oh, man, I love this character. Mm-hmm. Um, What else? What else happened in this movie? I like, uh, on the subject of Black Panther real quick, I liked how he's invincible. And he doesn't, he just shrugs off everything. Yeah. Like, the, one of the little tiny things that I didn't remember until later is when, like, 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 <laughs> Probably like 50 cal bullets from a helicopter are just winging off of him. And I was like, that's sweet. Well, the one that I love is when Hawkeye shoots the explosive arrows at him and he catches them and they just explode. And he's like, just doesn't. He just like, yeah, it's so cool. What made me really laugh about Black Panther, though, and this is because I've read so many articles about this, is like every time he like leapt on screen, there was like a a wood fluke. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I lost it. (laughs) Yeah. So that was you and me laughing. (laughs) That part where he jumps on the car in the chase. There's a. (laughs) And then at the air, at the airport, when like they're all lining up and then he just comes leaping into frame. It's, it's so funny. I didn't even notice that. Oh my God. And you saw it twice. I don't know. It stuck out to me because I was so bummed. And this has been brought up a lot of places, but I'm so bummed. The only good theme song or like yeah. memorable theme song is the Avengers theme song. Um, yeah. That's the only one I can even remember. Yep. Um, I think there are, I think there are movies, individual movies that have decent scores, mm-hmm. but none of the characters have really good themes. Yeah, it would have been yeah. so cool if we could have. Like, I think played. Cap Cap has a pretty good theme in the first Captain America. Yeah, I, I like Cap's theme, but I I couldn't hum it for the life of me right yeah. now. Like I could probably Batman's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. Um, so it just would have been so cool. But, uh, How about that Wonder Woman theme? Though? That's Let's what I'm talking about. Man. No, I, <laughs> DC DC finds a way to do that. At least. <laughs> no, the Black Panther and the Black Panther thing is funny because like I've read so many articles. Uh, some of them have a lot of truth to them, and so many are just overly sensitive people. And they talk about whenever there's a character in a movie who's not white, there's always like a it's an exotic, really exotic, yeah. stereotypical. Like the, whatever country we immediately like associate with the instrument with is like what it is, yeah. and it's and if it if it's anything from remotely in the Middle East, it's always like the, eh, like the <laughs> wailing, wailing woman, the wailing yeah, the wailing yeah. gal, and uh, but, so with Black Panther, the first time it happened, I was laughing so hard, I was like, oh my god, no! In the oh. orchestra pit while they're recording the score, there's the one guy sitting there with the flute, and he's like, god damn it. <laughs> They better call me hey. back in 2018. Yeah, banging the, the <laughs> baton in the stand. Black Panther guy. Play that shit right now. It's really funny. And and, and it's, it's not done in a way in this movie that's like offensive. It's not like ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, not, if you, it's, it's not It's not exactly a gong when like a, an Asian character walks no, right. but, screen, it, but, but it's it's a little it's silly. <laughs> it's a little silly. And it's yeah. so loud. It's just like <laughs> because it's so unlike anything we've heard in any other Marvel movie ever. And so as soon as it happens, I just like immediately started laughing. I was like, "Oh my god, that's I'm, so funny!" I am glad that you brought that up. <laughs> oh, so it was the first note I made. Actually, <laughs> I, I just said Black Panther flute is hilarious and awesome. Because I brought it up to Willie, and it was like, "I don't really remember that." I'm yeah. like, "Oh, bad." Um, oh, I do. Um, I liked that there were uh, there were black people and women in this movie. Yeah, isn't it was that crazy. Nice. <laughs> But, Another thing they took from the Fast and Furious franchise was a little diversity. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it should, we should really be saying in a post like Fast and Furious, in a post Fast world, yeah. 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 post Fast Five world. Um, Spider Man. I want to talk about Spider Man. Yeah. You want to talk about Spider Man? Yeah. Um, 
as far as the CG goes, yeah, that was where I noticed it the most. That was about the only CG really? I thought. The only CG problem I had is the first Black Panther scene, and that's it. I'm okay. The part okay. where they have him sliding down the building. Ah, uh, yeah, there are. It wasn't even from like a CG standpoint. It was they did something really weird with the frame rate, and it just stuck out I, like a yeah. sore thumb. The thing is, they sh- they shot a lot of that. Like we saw set photos of yeah. the guy in the suit. So I was really puzzled. I was like, yeah. why is this? But with Spider-Man, I mean, I get it when he's when he's swinging and doing these incredible things. Like, yeah, obviously. That's when I thought he looked it. the best. Yeah. But, but it, like when he's just running with them down the lineup, I was like, why isn't he just a in the suit? The part, the one that blew my mind is the part where he's on the ground at the end. Um, Stark comes up to him and he's an obvious CG. And he, like he puts his mask on to go. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> like that's some Spider-Man 1 level CG yeah, right exactly. there. Very um, strange. But you know what? I, I didn't. That didn't bother me at all. I go I back for those why. movies. Yeah, it's the, the Spider-Man CG has always been kind of inconsistent in all of the Spider-Man movies, including yeah. the last ones too. I thought, but so I don't know. It might be maybe it's the color scheme. I don't know. Uh, but I do want to talk. Um, <laughs> May. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I want to start with. Because I always walked out of the theater. That I told <laughs> me, like as soon as Spider Peter Parker shows up. And you know it's him, and it's awesome the way they introduce him because it just pops up on their queens. Yeah, it, it looks like a rap video. It's yeah. so cool. Oh, yeah, I love the the Wes Anderson titles. Yeah, I actually I, said those it were to cool. Alex. They're just yep. huge, like <laughs> clean, minimalist. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I love those. And um, so he shows up and he walks in, and he, Aunt May, Marissa Tomei, is out there, which is going to take some getting used to. But someone pointed out, and it's really funny. Uh, Marissa Tomei, her age is only, it's really close to what Aunt May was in the original comics. Really? But like, but like 1960s old was a lot different yeah, <laughs> than, than today. And eventually it made its way to like Rosemary Harris, who's yeah. in, who was in her 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, but what a great Aunt May she was. Though. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was she's yeah, she's and, great. Uh, Rosemary, yeah, she's really cool. And Cliff Robertson was really good in that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, all of the Spider-Man movies. Well, I have and Uncle Ben and Aunt May have always been really good. Yeah, because Martin Sheen and Sally Field are really good. Yeah, too. they are. Yeah, they made it work. And I remember when they were cast, I was like, "What is this movie?" <laughs> but they were really good. Um, so he comes, he comes in, he goes, "Hey May," and I go, "No, no," because I am pretty. Uh, I have a very set way. I like my Peter Parker. I like him nerdy, just a big goon. I, I like the Stan Lee Peter Parker Spider Man, mm-hmm. where like he's crying all the time. <laughs> just, can't get anything right. He just looks like a doofus. Just terrible voice or narration. Or just yeah. like really awful puns. He's just yeah. constantly wearing a suit for some reason, <laughs> like a shirt and tie. Um, but then, then I started to warm up to him because he's really good. And the scene with him. In Iron Man in the bedroom, yeah, is so good. It's like it's wonderful. so awesome. And there, he has a line in there where uh, there there are a couple times where I went, yes, as a Spider Man fan. And it was the line where he goes, um, "If you have these powers and you have like do what I can do and you don't do anything." It was that's Uncle Ben. Yeah, I'm but like, it's not Uncle Ben. It's not the great power, great responsibility, but it totally is. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, awesome. like the, as soon as Iron Man asked that question of like, why do you get out of that twin bed every morning? You're yep. expecting the with great power comes great, and you don't get it. But the way he says it is so beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's so like, ingrained in him. And yeah, and then the second one, second part, like I actually cheered for is when him and Captain America mm-hmm. are in the oh, yeah, yeah. and he goes like, nice, like. You fight well, or yeah, like, you, you got, you got heart. Spe- yeah. You got heart, kid. Where are you from? And he goes Queens, and he goes Brooklyn. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> like, it's so awesome. And he just like jogs away. Yes. 
<laughs> he has the most hilarious like football player leaving the field. Like, yeah. Run. Yeah. <laughs> Same with when the when the airline or airplane fight is about to start. Yeah, Camp like kind of walks saunters out, over, yeah. and then just kind of jogs out onto the field. It was really goofy. I was like, <laughs> this is really silly. <laughs> My dad laughed at that, but it was like a weird, like my dad laugh, where he's like, "This is gonna be funny. Like, this is gonna be good. This is gonna be good." Like, yeah. <laughs> I, what, one thing I really loved about Spider Man was when Tony Stark does ask him. Uh, he asks him something like, "Who?" Basically, he asks him some, some something that would that would we know is because of Uncle Ben, and Peter doesn't say. Mm-hmm. He like his eyes kind of get a little shifty, and he just says like, uh, "It's just something that I heard, that I that I think or something like that," and he doesn't. He doesn't want to talk about Uncle Ben in right. that way. I thought that was really cool. Like, yeah. He doesn't just immediately go, "Oh, my Uncle Ben was shot and killed," and then <laughs> like I, I liked that we as the audience were privileged to some emotional information that that Stark isn't going to get. Yeah. And um, the thing that turned me around on the May thing real quick is he always calls her Aunt May when she's not around. Yeah. Like he'll call her Aunt May to Tony Stark, and he calls her. So like you can tell it's it's actually a cool character moment without actually saying it of like marissa tomei saying like i'm I'm pretty young still or like just call me may don't call me may that's weird (laughs) so so he calls it he calls her may to his her face but but still calls her and that's a peter parker thing too so i was i was really and then not only did i think they got the peter parker because it's you can tell they're going the ultimate route i think a little bit and i'm actually really looking forward to um having a young spider-man because he's Tony Stark's going to be the next in the Spider-Man movie, I think. Yep, yeah, he's Downey officially is. cast. In. But I actually loved in Bendis's, um Ultimate Spider-Man, which is a book I really like, um, the interaction between him and Nick Fury at oh. the time. I thought it was really cool, and I'm really looking forward to that, too, because I think if Sam Jackson is dialed in, or even, even if he's not, yeah. <laughs> the interaction between him and a young Spider-Man could be really fun. That'd be great. So, um, um, and then, but not only that, I thought they nailed the uh, wisecracking Spider-Man, too, which was nice. And I thought... My complaints mainly with the last two were I thought they there are times when they got the wisecracking Spider Man right, and then there are times where like he comes off as a psychopath. I thought, <laughs> um, yeah. and then the Toby movies never really do, no. and I, anytime they try, you can it's kind of like half hearted. Yep, and it and it makes sense because he's not good at it, so I wouldn't do it either. Um, so this this I thought kind of nailed it. It nailed it all so far. So I'm really excited. All right, I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Giant man, uh, giant yeah. man. Have to have to mention it. Blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my number one Marvel movie wish that I've wanted to see since this whole thing got going was Ant Man. Period. But then that wasn't enough. Once I got it, and I was like, I got to see Giant Man. I got to at least know that it's possible. And I'm a little surprised it happened this early. Yeah. But if at such like a relatively inconsequential time, they're like, if. Yeah, here, here, do it, Giant Man. Instead of like you know the climax of like Ant Man Two, where it's yeah. like he can't beat this guy unless he becomes Giant Man. Instead, he's just like I'm gonna try to pick up a plane and hit people with it. <laughs> Man, oh my god, was it so good? Everything about it was so awesome mm-hmm. and hilarious. Like the, the the scene immediately leading up to it when he's like telling them about it, he's like, I got something. I'm gonna try it. I've only done it once in a lab. <laughs> And it hurt really bad. And the whole time he's running and he's that big. And it's like on his airplane <laughs> ramp. And it's so not dramatic at all. And it, it's cl- and, the, and like they know it. And so they're emphasizing like how silly this is. Oh, God. It was so funny. And then when it actually happened, I was like, oh, my God. This is happening. Mm-hmm. He's holding War Machine in his hand. Yep. And then he like turned and like, like held him up. And yeah. everything about it was just perfect. They have to keep it. I mean, that's the problem, though. He, he's got to do it again. Like, I want to mm-hmm. see it. I know it's supposed to be like a... 
And they actually have addressed it in the comics from time to time that like he can't do it because it's harder on his physiology. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's understandable if he's not going to be able to bust it out all the time. And it was so awesome and so yeah. hilarious. And, and, and the reactions it got out of all the other characters was so funny. Especially Stark when he said, what did he say? Like, he's like, does anybody else on our team have any fantastic powers <laughs> yes, that they, they haven't? Shocking powers <laughs> yeah. that they haven't told us about? Yeah. Yeah, it was hilarious. And it totally turned the tide. And just everyone, all of a sudden, their attention was totally refocused. And it was just so good. Even just the shots of him in the background when oh, everybody yeah, else is doing sort of, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was like a Godzilla movie when you're, when you're following, or like King Kong when you're following the airplanes. And you just see him in the background. It was <laughs> yep. so funny. Yeah. Oh my god, that was, was good. that was beautiful. Um, Every, and even just like the part we were just talking about it today at work when Vision flies through and he's like, "There's something inside <laughs> me. There's something within me." Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, it, Paul Rudd was just so expertly used, even on just a comedic level in this movie. And I like even just the part where he's inside Iron Man's arm and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna have to take this thing into the shop." Yeah. Like it, it, he's perfectly written for for what he is in this movie, and it's great. Yeah, they've done. It's funny because Scott Lang in the comics now is he, he's not. It's not as apparent as it is as like the the Downey yeah Downey Iron Man Iron Man. thing, but but it, it's there. I mean, he's definitely a, a, a sillier character. More of a but joke. he's written by Nick Spencer, who's like this. He's just an amazing. Have you read Superior Foes of Spider Man? No, I'm working oh. through Dan Slott Spider Man right now, oh so I'm God. getting to it. You uh, have to read <laughs> Superior Foes. It is absolute brilliance. Okay. It's so funny. It, it's la- I mean, seriously, like I hate when like you critics who's laugh out loud funny, <laughs> but it is. Like I, I would be by myself on the couch, and like if you were a fly on the wall, I'd be sitting there and then turn a page and I'd go, huh? Like actually, <laughs> la- it's just, it's that good. But he's anyway. He's been writing Ant Man, and uh, it's been really good. Definitely leaning more towards the comedic, but it's a character with so much comedic potential that how could you not? Yeah. Anyway, that was probably my favorite part of the movie was just seeing Giant Man. And, and, and the new Ant-Man suit is so good. It's so much better than the first one. And it looks like Ultraman. And I loved Ultraman when I was a kid. <laughs> and so when he became Giant Man and he was basically Ultraman, I was like, this is so sweet. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, this is just really good. But if I took my dad to see it, he would probably like lean over and say, it looks like Ultraman. And I go, yeah, it does. That's great. And uh, I have only this is one of the thing that totally my fault, but it's a kind of a bummer now. I forgot I've only seen Iron Man three once, yeah, and I forgot that they actually got the shrapnel out of his heart. Yeah, so I was still under the impression that the arc reactor was keeping him alive. Right. So they so added when, a lot more, so much more suspense than anyone else had going. <laughs> yeah, because the end of this movie is dumb. I think for the most part, like. The movie, like, I, I gave a lot of praise for getting into the heavier issues and the deeper themes and really, like, making you feel it and think about it. But it ends like candy canes and lollipops again, except they're just, they're on a timeout from each other. Uh, the only downside is Rhodey can't walk. Yeah. So there's the, the, you, live in a, <laughs> you live in a suit the rest of your life. Rhodey should have died. Rhodey should have been paste inside that suit first of all even even from like, like stark should have looked up and been like holy fuck guys he's alive even from the ice pack moment i think like regardless oh, yeah, of yeah. that i think i think <laughs> i think, right, yeah. think Ro- somebody should have died in this movie and and roadie would have been an okay candidate yeah and like i i really i'm torn because we like all these characters obviously yeah and it was fun to see him and stark with their banter as he's like what did he call him stank stanley yeah, called him stank. stank yeah and it's like and, and roadie's making fun of him and tony stark's like laughing and everything's like great and I expected them to jump and have like a freeze frame. <laughs> and I was just like, man, I, I don't want the movie to end on a down. I'm not saying I want like the downer ending where everyone's like, man, this is this is 
this is bad. Things are bad right now. But I kind of did because but I mean, it, it's a would big you, deal. Would you have been satisfied if they left with with Tony just kind of laying there, beaten with the shield? Just like would that end without point? the without the note from Captain America? Without the note, from I could have done with. And, I could. I like the ending, and I could have done without that part. Yeah. Actually, I could have done with. I'm even him just putting Ross on hold. Yeah, and just leaving it at that, and then Cap breaking everybody else out of the. Uh, Everybody else out. Um, That's the problem is all that stuff is really good because I've seen it now. I still like the inclusion of it. But had the movie ended with him walking away from Stark, uh, that would have been awesome. Actually, I think that would have been a hell of an ending. I mean, it it would have been much more emotionally resonant because in a way it's kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon again, which is kind of the Marvel aesthetic that, yeah, some really some bad things are going to happen. But in the end, everyone's pretty much going to be okay. And and we'll see you next week. That is. Yeah. And. Which isn't bad. It's just, I, it's just uh, it's. I think it, if the yeah, if they take the letter part thing. out, I I think because it, it, honestly, it still ends on a bummer. And, but I think so. But when too. they put that letter in there, like the letter and the way it's read and the way it, the way it's played out, it does kind of feel like a, everything will be okay, like and a reassurance. A very, and it's a very and yeah. I think because it's so off screen in the sense that it's a letter instead of like Tony mm-hmm. and Cap actually like. I, I wouldn't have wanted to see that in this movie. Right. I would have liked to see it later. But in the sense of like, it's just a, we need this letter to show you that there's still some kind of working relationship between these people. Here's the thing, I think though, that moving forward, unless I'm mistaken, any action cap and his, and his team does is legal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Like yeah. these people's lives are based around being heroes. So the fact that the movie takes kind of a, I mean, I, I the scene with him putting Ross on hold is really funny, but at the same time, I was like, I feel, I don't know, I feel like I'm being handed something I don't want, and it's it's just kind of strange, like landing a movie on that kind of note because well, even if everyone survives and that's fine, and Rhodey's going to be okay eventually, or he'll wear like awesome legs for the rest of his life, uh, it still should be kind of like, I mean, it's a big deal. I think the echoes of what has really occurred in this movie should be felt a little more. Yeah. Like Cap sends him a really nice letter, and he gives him a special phone and says, yeah, if you need anything, call me so you can arrest me. Like in the books, that's the one thing the books do way better than the movie. The stakes are laid out, and they are serious. Yeah. Like, and people get arrested and, like, beaten and killed. I mean, people die in the books, and it, and it really lays out, like, this is no this is no joke. And I don't like the idea that if if Tony has, like, a kind of a, a big problem and he has to call cap like it should be something universe changing and it shouldn't be at the at a phone call it should be like they cap should, should know to come cap back. should show up with yeah. his people and say listen we need to work together because it, it is that, it's, it's that might s- that could still happen i mean the the fact of the matter is i don't think we're gonna see any of those secret avengers until infinity war like I don't think there's room for them anywhere. It is really cool. I, I mean, for sure that the Secret Avengers are a thing. Basically. Yeah, they're they're literally I, secret. I didn't know how I would feel about them like adapting or maybe get, like being inspired by more modern comics, but I'm totally into it. Like I think it is cool. Yeah, but I mean, this is furthering what I'm saying about it being a bummer because when when Stark visits them all in the raft, I was like, man, this is really a drag for these guys yeah. right now, and they didn't probably didn't really know what exactly they were getting into. Yeah, but. You know, when Hawkeye talks about, he's talking to him, which, by the way, this movie is the best use of Hawkeye the MCU's mm-hmm. ever seen. Uh, and Stark's like, you have a wife and kids. Why didn't you think about them? And 
I started thinking about that. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, Ant-Man's got a, a little girl. And uh, uh, Falcon has all the people at the VFW that rely on him. And, like, these people all have people that matter. And now they have to live underground for the rest of, like, the time because mm-hmm. they're illegals. Like, Scott Lang can't sneak out and see his daughter. And Hawkeye can't live on this nice farmhouse with his wife and his kids. He's just got to be on the run all the time. That sucks. Like, that's yeah. that's really shitty. That's a shitty place for... Like, if you really love these characters, you got to like, kind of leave this movie thinking, like, these guys are in a bad spot right now. Like, it seems great, and it's very noble, and, yeah, it's a good cause, and you've got Cap's back. But when you're living in a sewer, and not the cool sewer, like Turtles from Turtles 2, <laughs> it's going to suck. <laughs> well, isn't, I mean, uh, but in a way, isn't that the downer that you want? It is, but, it is, but it's not on screen. Yeah, like, okay. it, it, it this is, is it's all undercut. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of for a movie that, that's yeah. so overt and everything else. This it's is undercut much by the implied. last scene. Okay, too. that's but, what by, I was trying by to kind say. of the whole wrap up. I did yeah. read a really hilarious tweet uh, from somebody that said, um, "You know, a Marvel movie's winding down when a plain clothes Stark rolls up in a convertible." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That is absolutely true." But yeah, as soon as we got that shot, I kind of immediately was like, "Ugh, we're gonna get some lame wrap up and then like see you, you know, Spider Man will return, like that type of thing." And those are fun things that we're all getting acclimated to. But because this movie went in such a different direction and it really tackled that stuff, I was disappointed it didn't end a little bit. Maybe that's what the Spider-Man movie is about. I don't know. Um, I wanted to stick up for not killing Rhodey, though. Okay. It is stupid that he doesn't die, though, from yeah. the fall because it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, death of a main character, I get it, and it sets stakes. It's become such a crutch lately for a lot of bad movies. Um, to just kill a main character. I'm thinking of Beyond, Star Trek Beyond, and um, Batman vs. Superman. Oh, you mean Into Darkness? Yeah, spoilers for those. Sorry. Yeah. People die. I was going to say, who dies in Beyond? I don't um, know, Tim. <laughs> Maybe your fandom. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree with you, but I think because this movie did so many things well that, that other it movies would've... don't, they would have probably found I, a way. Maybe that, and that's, because I was actually like... Maybe they killed Peggy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- Someone does die in this movie. Uh, yeah, She's I'm, a 90-year-old lady. Uh, yeah, but they killed Peggy Carter and he immediately moves it on her, um, her niece. Niece, yeah. yeah. Um, that was weird, uh, um, but go get it. Um, but I think I think that's but it, the thing. But it led to the best joke in the movie. It did. One, one of the best. <laughs> I think that um, I think the the idea of killing people, like yeah, into darkness, they kill Kirk, but he gets brought back to life. Does he get they, brought back to life in the same movie? He yes, does, doesn't he? Yeah, oh, God. like, <laughs> like thirty the minutes magic later, blood. Yeah, they yeah. erase those Sorry. stakes immediately. So I think the idea, if Rhodey was dead and dead, like we never that see Rhodey again, that would mean something. And it's plus, plus he was taken down by his own team. Yeah, which I think is really cool too because they're supposed to be the regulation guys. They're supposed to be the ones that are in control and monitored. And look what happened. The like, but then that, I, yeah. but then I even worried. And it was from the android who's supposed to be like flawless. And, like, yeah. I thought I thought all of that piled on top of itself was really cool. For, and from a storytelling standpoint, I think I want to see Vision guilt trip really hard. I wanted to. See I, that's the more interesting route. But then your Vision's already kind of a uh, like kind of a unapproachable character anyway for a lot of the audience that you're like, do we really want to have this guy kill Rhodey? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I get where yeah. that's going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a general audience, it might. Because that's what's so cool about Vision. It's like he's synthetic, but he's so emotional. <laughs> like he's, he's so like right. generous and, like, and, and very like empathetic. And that's fascinating. Yeah. That's the thing that's so sweet about Vision is we forget because he's so artificial looking. Forget that he really is essentially a human. He has like a human soul, and that that would be so. I'd love to see him in the in the in the future, being like, "Yeah, I killed James Rhodes." 
I guess I was just refreshed that they didn't kill a main character. Yeah, yeah I don't right. know. That's fair. They already killed one of them last movie, didn't they? Killed one of the Quicksilvers. We still got one running yeah, around. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> so really, that wasn't a death either. Because he's still running around some universe. <laughs> he keeps like, running around, which yeah. is literally what he does. Um, what was the other thing that I wanted to say really? Oh, the one joke that you thought had no words that everybody laughed at. Was it the nod in the in the... Yeah, is that the one? Falcon, Falcon and, and Bucky both kind of like Falcon was funnier. He was a little more overt, but Bucky even kind of was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny because there were a little bit of jokes even before that with the two of them with like, can you move your seat up? And like this little fun like interplay was really good. My one of my favorite nonverbal jokes in the movie, and it's not. It, I mean, it it's just a, whoever the editor is. I give him this joke is when they cut from the from basically Tony and, or from steve and steve getting arrested basically and the the reveal of the black panther is chadwick boseman Mm -hmm. they cut immediately to vision Vision making the paprikash and he's like a a pinch of paprika and it the editing of it is so funny that it made people laugh and i was like man that's that's power in editing right there because that's not i mean that's you even if you wrote that on a script that says smash cut to vision cooking it wouldn't be funny but if you put it the way you put that together mm-hmm. is a joke and it's it's beautiful but last thing yeah the final the final fight i feel like we don't talk about we haven't talked about that to me was so much more soul crushing than the batman superman fight yeah well, yeah, for every reason, though. It's, yeah. like, it's not even fair. No, <laughs> it's like it's, that's the thing. Like, you get eight movies with these characters to really learn who they are, and then you finally... Well, not only that, but they're both likable characters. That, like, too. Batman and Superman both kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't really care. Yeah. You're just like, ugh, just... fit. That was my Tim impression. Ugh, just finish it already. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, because the, the fight was so well done that I wanted it to stop. I was like, this is hard to watch. Yeah, like, it's so it, the parallels too because it, it's all it's all around a mob again yeah. but i bought it in this one where like Tony's like he kill i love that line actually in this one where he's like you killed my mom like, yeah fuck you dick <laughs> <laughs> like let me uh, at least punch him until i can arrest him yeah yeah so yeah um i i do like i mean that's a whole other can of worms we haven't even talked about like we kind of vaguely touched on like, whether you, you think cap or or Tony is right in regards to the accords, but, but then, the whole idea of Bucky, like, is he is he to be held accountable for things he was not in control of himself while doing? I think it's an awesome thing to debate. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we don't even have to crack it open on this episode. Yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that briefly. The other thing, finally, actually, finally, the whole trailer thing, they give away oh, yeah, the yeah. cap with the helicopter, which is so fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Like, when I watched that the second time, I was like, oh, I was going to cry because I was so overwhelmed <laughs> with how awesome it is because it's so cool. Alex brought the tears pull- by Chris Evans' biceps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the part where he readjusted his grip to show yeah. his bicep more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, it's that that see they yeah you're right the tra- I mean the trailers show things but they don't show you the it's not it's not plot but that is pure spectacle watching this like gigantically rippling bicep man <laughs> hold a helicopter to the helipad yeah and then crash that it. is that's the kind of thing that is exactly what I don't want to see in a trailer like that. Those big flashy moments, which are absolutely sometimes used to sell movies, and I get it if you're trying to get people into the theater that wouldn't come otherwise, 
But that right there is a prime example of like, yes, it's not a big story detail. doesn't matter who's in the helicopter. But just the visual sense of a man pulling a helicopter to the helipad is... Well, that's the thing. In the trailer, you don't see the aftermath of it. You see him holding it. And that's yeah. it. So for me, the suspense is still intact. Whereas like the shot I would argue shouldn't be in there is Black Panther leaping and slashing the motorcycle and spilling Bucky. Because then you're like, okay, he catches him. You know where that part of the chase is. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, that, you know that if, I, if they had showed me Black Panther chasing him on foot, which they do show, I would have been like, whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. One thing I will commend them on is they show like 1.5% of the airport, airport fight. Mm-hmm. There's like yeah. none of that in the trailer. And that's awesome because that would have been total golden opportunities for them to just show tons of money shots from that. And they didn't. And I, I think that was really awesome that they kept most of that secret. That's really cool. Yeah, but and then they all but they do show some of the third act fight too. Yeah, but you I don't think, know what's the third act until you're like you, you don't necessarily, but it, it's just kind of like until you're sitting in the theater. But that by like that is something that that's one of the problems that I have with watching trailers is when I start if I if I've seen the trailer, I can start piecing it together in the theater. Right, and that's I don't like and I hate that about myself. I don't like it at all. I don't want to do it, but it's one of the reasons I do not watch trailers. Is because I know that I'm going to sit there and be like, well, I've seen this scene and this is going to slot in here. And it's just, I, that's one of the reasons I don't do it. But. Was your breaking point, what movie, was it Avengers with the trailer? Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises were the two that I stopped. Because the Avengers, what, I think we brought it up on here, where Hulk catches Iron Man in the trailer. That was unforgivable. Whoever Absolutely. put that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. No. You, yeah. I was with you on that one. Yeah. That, that. Like it's not, it, I I get that the that the 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 suspense is preserved in terms of what's going to happen with the helicopter, but just purely the idea that Captain America will mm-hmm. is in that situation. I think to me is is something that I didn't want to know. So they didn't spoil John Slattery being back. Though. Yeah, that I wanted to speak about that too. John Slattery returning was awesome, even though the weird like four versions of Howard Stark that we've gotten is kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not buying that. Yeah, but Cooper turns it down. Didn't Slattery play him in Ant Man? And in Ant Man and oh, Iron Man too. The I thought. But then man, we've the, also had Dominic Cooper, and then there was also in the first Iron Man oh, a different person a different that person. was in between the Dominic Cooper and John Slattery age. Just in like the newspaper. Yeah, and newspapers right. and like magazine covers and stuff like that. Well, Slattery's the best of them. Totally. Slattery's totally agree. Um, Man, they've got that de-aging thing down, too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. The Robert Downey Jr. in de-aged playing himself when he was 19 oh, or really? whatever. Oh, really? No. <laughs> I, I think it's... It was, it was good until he looked... Until his face faced the camera. Until we got this. And then I was like, mm. like You can buy it when it's more like back and like jawline yeah. and profile. But as soon as he's... As soon as you get a really good beat on the eyes... That's, that's, that's fair. Like, oh, yeah. That's fair. That's the same complaint everybody had about Flynn and... and uh, and Tron, just that you see the dead look in their eyes, and then you know it's not a human. But I still think it, it's it's a crazy achievement. It, it's fine in this movie because it's it's a simulation anyway. So yeah. I was just kind of like, it's fine. Yeah. Um. And then the real final thing, final number three, I wanted to talk about uh, <laughs> like Return of the King over here. <laughs> <laughs> the the whole Trevor thing and like Trevor from Iron Man three. Okay. And the idea of the five Winter Soldiers, we're getting a lot of Marvel fake-outs. Did you guys have any issue with the fact that they build up the five Winter Soldiers and then they're a non-issue by the third act? I didn't. I mean, I just really didn't like that at all. That idea. Yeah, because it's built in with the Zemo shit and, like, why is... 
Yeah, just we didn't yeah. need it. We didn't we didn't need to go back there. We didn't I mean the fake out was unnecessary, but even Trevor at least had a point initially. The Winter yeah. Soldiers thing, I was kinda like I don't I don't know. Yeah. We just didn't really there could have been something better for Daniel Rule to do. Plus I always like the idea that the idea that Bucky was as unique as Captain America in a way. Like he's he's kind of a one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I I don't it's tough because I like Daniel Brühl and I like the whole final scene he had in the exchange with Black Panther totally like redeemed everything. Like yeah. so good. Absolutely. So, but. oh well. Yeah, I didn't I mean, uh, I I, uh, I didn't Zemo I like I the first time I watched it, I didn't even remember it in the movie. The second <laughs> time I watched it, it, it didn't make, it didn't make a ton of sense like, but I I just didn't really care enough. Like I was more invested in the yeah. other stuff that I. Yeah, that's and isn't that kind of a problem though that you're like this is all just dead weight. It's just fat you could trim. Yeah, you know what? It, it, looking back on it, maybe a little bit because there is a lot of that stuff in the first hour. Couldn't we have just? <laughs> couldn't we have just had Crossbones working as a rogue agent be like the inciting incident? That would have been the smart thing to do. For, he could be he could be acting on his own and trying to get revenge on Cap and make make Cap look bad, yeah. and then it, and then it ignites the the fight between the two of them. And then there you go. Poor Captain America villain is just getting killed off in the first 30 minutes of a movie. Mm-hmm. Crossbones and, and Strucker. Not Strucker, yeah. But. Off screen. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even get an on screen. He gets a picture. <laughs> Cross- you give one yeah, photo. exactly. On a phone. <laughs> Fourth unit, go shoot that. Yeah. Oh, uh, Crossbones, that's sweet, though. Yeah. Scarlet Witch bottling in that explosion was yep. crazy. That's, I was like, ew. Ugh. That's horrible. That was awesome. Yeah. I really liked the. Um, you had the kind of inciting incident more here than in the comic book too, because I thought this one was really well, well done too. I thought it was cool the way Scarlet Witch. It's always Scarlet Witch's fault, yeah. I recall. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, Ryan Coogler gets to direct a Black Panther movie. It's gonna be oh god. It's gonna be sweet. <laughs> I'm so excited for yeah. that now. Uh, now that they've introduced, it's it. gonna be really cool. It's gonna be so good. Yeah. I also like that Cap and his and his team wind up in Wakanda where they can't really be touched. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Yeah, I wonder if they're all there. I wonder if Hank is just like on a or uh, Scott is just on a couch. He's chilling. Yeah, <laughs> he can go. In. I mean, he's fine though. He can just shrink and he's gone. Yeah, yeah. he can't find him. He could go back home. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that that is one of the plot points of the comic. Actually, is that his wife, his ex-wife, does not want him visiting his daughter. But he just like shrinks down, and he shrinks her too. Oh, and uh, so they can just like hang out and That's go do awesome. stuff. There's a really cool part actually where they're they're watching a movie together, but it's it's just a phone propped yeah. up on its side, and they're really tiny, <laughs> and so it's like their own private movie theater. That's it's really, It's really cool. All right, uh, feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. Let us know what you think of the show and the things that we talk about. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Go to midwestfilmnerds.com for 177 plus bonus episodes with full show notes. So you can skip over the spoiler, Terry, and other things you don't want to hear. Don't forget to stick around after the outro music to hear some uh, Dark Tower discussion. And uh, next week, I don't know what the deal's going to be. I don't think there's any gigantic releases coming up this month until X-Men, if I recall correctly. Uh, nice Guys is next week, isn't it? I don't know. 20th, I thought. Um, X-Men come out that soon. X-Men's out on the 27th. Oh yeah, the nice guys is yeah, the nice guys is May twentieth. Uh I don't I think it's a wide release, so hopefully we'll see it. Uh the other thing next week the lobster is technically out, but I don't know if we'll have it around here or not. But I know that's something that I want to see the Elvis Nixon in. movie. Uh, really with the cool. yeah, with um Michael Shannon. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. We might figure something out. We'll see what happens. But uh yeah, I think that's it. Kyle X Y, go watch a movie. 
<laughs> I'm so envious of you. you one has that. It for the first time. Yeah. One has that chapter towards the end where the man in black like explains his place in the world. And I'm like, this is the this is awesome. Right? <laughs> and what's weird is most people usually hate book one. They, they like struggle to get through it because it's so weird. Yeah. And I I love how I love how weird it is. I like, do too. The way it starts and he just like meets the dude with the raven who's like talking to him and like all he grows is like corn and it's just so weird and like <laughs> and like odd and then the whole the whole tall sequence and the way it culminates is so amazing. Yeah. And and what's what's cool is like so he wrote he wrote book 1 just as like a uh, it, he released it in, in five parts. Each chapter came out in like a monthly horror oh, magazine, okay. and he was like probably doing a lot of like mescaline at the time. Like he says, <laughs> he was like pretty weird, pretty weird, and like on a lot of stuff, That's, which explains why it's so strange. <clears throat> <laughs> and it has just a lot of strange elements. The rest of the books, even the later ones, post uh, car accident. Um, when did the last one come out? They're more cohesive. Okay. Uh, book seven came out probably in like oh. Oh really? Okay. Actually, maybe even before that. But it was in the two thousands. Okay. Yeah, it was like mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> books two, two, three, and four, which are which are, they read much more like normal books. Okay. So b- book one is this really interesting like experiment, and people, everybody I've ever recommended the series to is always like. Yeah, I'm not really digging this, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, just wait, just, lo- just wait. Like, chapter one is amazing. Chapter yeah. two is amazing uh, when he actually goes to the way station, and then it's the one where he like gets lost in like the in like the wilderness by himself, and like meets like this sexual uh, spiritual yeah. creature. That, that's that's really weird. Um, but a lot of things. The, the the brilliance of Stephen King is a lot of the stuff that he just wrote about in book one. He finds ways to bring it back yeah. later. It's really cool. Yeah. really cool and and the series only get like repeat readings are really good i remember when i recommended it to gojo and he was reading book one he was kind of like i don't know about this yeah and he's really not a reader like yeah. he's become more of a reader which is really interesting <clears throat> actually this is like a sign of the times if anything i, I texted him the other day and s- to see if he wanted to like play some some playstation and he's like nah he's like i'm just want to do some reading and yeah. i was like what, what <laughs> yeah, exactly i was like this is literally a, the only time you said no to playing video games, and B, especially for like <laughs> reading. Like when we had to do book reports in high school, he would do them on like books about like baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> like did not care about fiction, so it's really really interesting. But he, I recommended them to him a long time ago, and he just like loves them. Yeah, and I think he owns them all now, and he just rereads them once in a while. And uh, yeah, but book one is is great, but it's definitely weird. It's weird, but, but it reminded me like because like King like he wasn't. Um, like, I forget sometimes that he's a really good writer. He like, is. his prose and stuff. Like, I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, just wait. Yeah, just yeah. wait. It gets, he only gets, I mean, book book two is by and far my favorite. It blew my mind. I think I was 14 or 15 when I first read it. And yeah. it, the end of chapter, like, one or two, when you realize what's going on and what the doors do, are you, has he even found the beach yet? No. Well, he just, he, I just got through chapter one. Like, he just kind of woke up on the west. Nice. So he's going. Yeah, I oh. think it's he, he meet he met the what was it the lobster or the crab? Lobstrosities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I'm so happy. This is great. One, this is like when you get to watch one of your favorite movies with someone who's never seen it before. Yeah. And it and it, it is the most refreshing thing every time. It's so awesome. Yeah, this is great. But book book three I love, and people always kind of go like, yeah, it's it's good. Um, 
but I think it's it's phenomenal. And then four is kind of the favorite. Always, everyone's always like, oh, four is the best. What's the, so? What's the story with the graphic novels? Like, are they oh yeah, so back to the original. Uh, <laughs> just I'm recapitulating everything I said to Tim privately via text message because <laughs> I just get so excited about the Dark Tower until they make a movie. But, uh, That's always like the first book. I'm like, you can make this into a movie. I don't know, like you can make oh, the yeah. first book, but then after that. I don't know. Like I'm looking at some of these. Like, Honestly, the 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 uh, the the Ron Howard plan for like making one into a movie and two into a series and three into a movie four. That's that's a cool plan. And yeah. honestly, it, if you're gonna do it, it is the right way to do it. I just think the people he had on board, and I, I wasn't really a fan. But yeah. <clears throat> and and the thing is, now that you're reading it, what do you think about Idris Elba? I don't know yet. I mean, you know what? You you have to get through book two because that's because like so far I, I I don't see any issue. And then who's McConaughey? Is he? He's the, the man of black. I kind of like that. Oh yeah, like, that's I like, great. I think that's really good. <laughs> well, what's interesting is like, and this is, I don't think you find this out until way later in the book. Basically, never mind. I won't talk about it. You, you you'll you'll be there soon enough. Okay, because yeah, there wasn't anything like race specific in one. It's a huge thing in book two. It's a, okay. and it's a huge thing in book three. Yeah, like it's it is it is core to his interactions with some of the characters. Okay. That's why I'm kind of dumbfounded by it. And it's not that I don't like Idris Elba, and it's not that I'm right. necessarily against you know race bending him a little, but I kind of am because he's his who he looks like. Because they always say he looks like Clint Eastwood. Like he'll yeah. he'll meet some people, and 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 like the comparison is always drawn. And so you'll see more as you get to read about it, but it's just very strange. I can't wait. I'm in, I'm really excited to see how they're gonna they're gonna spin it into some sort of making sense. Anyway, the graphic novels. Um, so first they wrote uh, the first few were uh, like the Gunslinger Born, I think is what they're called, and it's basically the events of Book Four. Okay. So Book Four starts, and the, the almost a ton of Book Four is this weird Wizard of Oz parallel okay and it starts with him and his companions traveling and then the whole, pretty much the whole book is a flashback to roland when he was like 15 when he first became a gunslinger and there's like a brief interlude right in the middle and then it picks up again with a huge flashback and it's it's huge it's one of the biggest it's the biggest of the first four and uh and then it ends with them resuming their journey mm-hmm. so the idea is that like they camp for like the night and he tells them this whole story <clears throat> And then, so th- that's like the events of him when he's young. And then they just started straight up doing the books. Well, they did when he was young. And then there's a whole big chunk of his life that is touched on in the books. Like, you know, the major events of like how there were once all these gunslingers and now he's the last one. And so you, you hear a little bit about how they all died and stuff, but it was never really fleshed out in the books. And yeah. so what the graphic novels do is like tell that whole story. Okay. And it's cool. They're they're pretty good reads. I haven't read all of them, but I've read a lot of them. But I really hate uh, Jai, Jai Lee, Jai Lee, the artist. Oh, is that who did it? Okay. I really don't like it. <laughs> and it and everyone always was like, it's perfect for the world of the dark t- of the gunslinger. And I'm like, no. It's so not. the graphic novel is a companion piece to the actual series. Yeah, kind of. But then they eventually straight up just started adapting. Okay. They, they 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 met up with the current timeline, so to speak, with the gunslinger, and then they just started doing those. Hmm. And I, I leafed through their drawing of the three because whenever, whenever you read a book, no matter the book, you picture the characters your way. You know, you picture, you imagine their voices a certain way. You imagine their look. You imagine the look of the world. And those books are so unique and so visually, like, dense. And King explains them in such a thorough way. Like, even the lobstrosities, 
Yeah. Like, I picture them a very certain way. And so looking through the comic, I was kind of like immediately dissatisfied. It's yeah. just not, it, for me, it's, that makes just, sense. it's just not the kind of thing that I'm particularly interested in the comics. And it was really funny because my dad kept buying them for me. And eventually I had to be like, Dad, I don't, I don't want these. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, would, I probably would have really dug them when I was a teenager. But now that I've read the series so many times, it's just like it's cemented in my head the way they look. It's like, it's kind of like when they adapt the, the Alienist, actually. Like I'm really excited for it because it reads like a screenplay. Yeah. At the same time, I have firmly entrenched in my mind what all the characters look like, what they sound like. But that's based in like our world, so you know it, it is New York City in like in like eighteen yeah, 18, so it's a little ninety more, or something. So I, uh, it's the, not as fantastical, correct? Yeah. yeah. Whereas Dark Tower, of the world is so fantastical. Tim's already read some amazing shit, but he's barely scratched the surface. <laughs> like, there's some stuff that he. I, I hope I get these. There's certain things I already just want him to like text me and be like, "Oh my god, what, <laughs> what just happened?" Yeah, it's oh, it's so amazing. It's such an amazing journey. You really should pick up the audiobooks. And uh, that's what, that's what yeah, Tim was just telling books. me to do. I I really should. I just I was doing this thing for a while. I didn't even end up finishing The Martian, but I got like two thirds of the way through it because I was only listening to it when I was walking Lizzie. Yeah. But I feel like The Dark Tower would take me like two years to get through when just walking Lizzie around the block <laughs> once or <laughs> twice a day. Yeah, I do it but. on the way to work. And I do it, yeah, whenever I'm driving or yeah, I'm going for walks. I, I could do that, too. Like, yeah. I could do it on I could fit my Kindle in my jeans pocket now. So I can take <laughs> it to good. work. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, you listen, can you listen to audiobooks through your Kindle? Mm. You have the novels on your Kindle, though. Is that what you're saying? You have no, I, I'm reading something else on my Kindle, and I'm listening to <laughs> an audiobook. I'm reading... Like, for the Dark Tower? No. I do audiobook on Dark Tower. Oh. And then okay. I'm re- I read something else. Who... Uh, how do they do? I, I've like straight up barely ever listened to an audiobook. I was surprised. I um, because I'm not like against audiobooks, but I've only in the past like I haven't been able to do fiction when it comes to audiobooks. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to. Um, this I was able to zone in pretty well. Maybe it was just because I was like really into it. Well, but normally one... it's nonfiction for audiobooks for me. Like I can listen to like yeah. an autobiography. That makes or something total like sense. That. Yep. So does one person narrate the entire book, and do they do they change their voice at all? Yeah, he characters? does voices yeah. and stuff. He, he's pretty good. The guy that did the first one is a different guy on the second one. Um, yeah, that's so weird. In the first one. Um, <laughs> I almost want, I don't think he is, but the dude that did the Harry Potter audiobooks was awesome. Oh, yeah. Because he was doing, like, female no, voices. Yeah, he he's, doing, that like, guy, that guy, it's, he was the guy who was the narrator on uh, Pushing Daisies. Oh. He he read all of the audiobooks for Harry Potter. I. I can pull it up real quick because okay. I have it open right Cause now. Because the dude that did this is pretty good too. Like he does all the different voices, and I, he's good. Um, and he reads. Jim Dale is his name. Different but guy. you like reading, really? right? Yeah. Ah, uh, that's funny. Oh wait, no. Who? Which? Which guy are we talking? Pushing the guy daisies. who did well the Harry Potter. Jim Dale did the Harry Potter okay. stuff and the pushing and then, daisies. Okay. And pushing daisies. It was George something who does the uh, George Guidall. Okay. Guidall. I believe he's a British gentleman. Yeah, that does these. He's good. Yeah, and then it looks like Frank Muller does book two, three, four. Of Dark Tower? Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to George Guidall for five, six, seven. <laughs> so, anyway. Like, like I said, just I'm, yeah. pretend five, six, and seven are fan fiction. <laughs> like Stephen King has like a twin brother, so they like think mostly alike, but he just isn't quite as good of a writer. Right. The thing is, five is probably the most fascinating book of the series because it's so different. Yeah, you think you're reading like a ghostwriter, and it it references the weirdest things. Like yeah. you will you will be cracking up out loud at <laughs> some of the stuff that happens. It's really good. 
yeah anyway all right i'm gonna stick all that after the end so okay. people who are interested in dark tower talk. i could talk dark tower forever <laughs> it is my it is my is my tower <laughs> like it, it's the old <laughs> the tower in the books becomes this like metaphor almost where for like the ultimate thing and it's really good I, I will never forget when I was first reading each of these books. I can, I can remember the way the weather was because I read it during this this one summer during high school. I read books one, two, and three. I think like driving to work, because uh, I, I was I would get like rides to work because I didn't have my license yet actually. Yeah, riding the car to work and then like I on my lunch break and I was a high schooler and I had these hour lunches and I was used to eating in like twelve minutes, so I just had all this time and I was like sweet and I would just mow through these books and man. Oh, what a journey. <laughs> and book, book. Uh, I don't think five was even out yet. I think it was one, two, three, and four. Yeah. And I have my uh, my dad's like original copies, which are these like super old, really cool dust jackets they don't make anymore. Yeah. And they're all these weird colors. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah. My uncle had the gunslinger, and I always like I always wanted to read it, but like it was it was like intimidating to me. Yeah. Like the Dark Tower stuff at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh And then I heard it got terrible. I'm like I'm not going to read those ever. And then <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it really it doesn't get terrible. It just gets yeah. it just gets very strange. It goes it goes a way you don't really expect it to go. Mm-hmm. And it and each book just gets bigger. I feel like book 5 is so big. It's goofy. <laughs> and book 7 is so big and almost nothing happens. It's really weird. Yeah. But but some very interesting things happen. And books like I said to you book 6 I straight up don't remember. <laughs> I remember like the one key plot point, which is pretty big, um, but anyway, we'll talk more about it in the coming months. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Man, I want you to like read certain I, ones. Though. I want you to. I'm read. thinking like I'm probably gonna end up so because I want to finish the book. I'm, I'm reading East of Eden right now, the Steinbeck book, mm. and I'm really into it. But like, I think after that, I might switch up to reading the Dark Tower. It's so awesome because I want him to have the pure experience. I'm like, I want you to read it and get your own voices and your own yeah. ideas. And like, <laughs> go, it's like when it'd be like making someone watch Breaking Bad, but like waiting a year between each season. Now. Yeah. Be like, you got to go. The ultimate experience. 